Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, everyone. I'm Molly Gahlane, Adweek Senior TV Reporter, and welcome to the second episode of Season 2 of Most Powerful Women in Sports, where the world's greatest marketers, media pros, athletes, and coaches share their remarkable career journeys and how they achieved peak performance. I am so excited to be the host of this podcast, and we've got a great episode ahead of us. While I am part of Adweek's TV team, covering streaming services, connected TV, and pretty much any news related to the business of TV, fortunately for me, that bleeds into sports pretty much all the time. In this episode, we're joined by hockey legend Hillary Knight. She's an Olympic gold medalist, a three-time Olympic silver medalist, an eight-time world champion, and pretty much the best female hockey player in the world. When we recorded this episode, Hillary held the record for the most goals scored all-time at the Women's World Championships and led the Americans with 79 points all-time in the tournament. Don't worry, in the short time since, she's now broken the all-time points record in the Women's World Hockey Championship. When we recorded, Hillary was deep in preparations for the tournament, hoping to take revenge on Canada for their defeat in the Olympics. In this episode, Hillary and I chat about how she trailblazed a career in hockey, equal pay for women in sports, and how to advocate for the next generation. Thank you for listening, and make sure to subscribe to hear more conversations with the women changing the game. And you can follow me on Twitter, at Molly K. Helene. Well, Hillary, thank you so much for joining us here today. I am so excited to chat with you. So there's a ton I want to hit on, but let's start back at the beginning. So did you grow up playing hockey, and how did you first get into it? I did not grow up playing hockey. Well, I guess I can consider myself growing up playing hockey now, but um, I do not come from a hockey family whatsoever. I, um, our family actually moved from California to Illinois, and we're huge skiers. My, my cousin's, you know, multiple Olympic uh, skier, and, um, you know, 
moving to the Midwest kind of poses challenges of not having access to mountains. So my mom was like, okay, what do I do with my children? How do I get them to meet other kids? She obviously like has a huge sports background and understands the value of team sports Mm and wanted us to, I guess, get a, um, make new friends in the community by, uh, or through sports. So that's how we got into hockey. And as soon as we laced up the skates, I didn't look back. So technically I did grow up playing hockey when I kind of look back on everything, but no, I do not come from a hockey family whatsoever. That's super interesting. And I mean, Illinois is great for hockey. So you're Lake Forest area, right? Yeah. North shore. Yep. Yeah. I went to Northwestern and, um, familiar with the area. Great spot. So I know you headed to Wisconsin for college, had a prolific career, and started at the national team as a teenager back in 2006. So for a long time, hockey didn't really seem to be a viable career path for women, and you've clearly proven that wrong, and then changed the lives of thousands of female athletes along the way. But I know the journey wasn't easy. Can you kind of walk me through how you got from learning hockey in Illinois to where you are now? Absolutely. I I would say that the journey still isn't easy. (laughs) It's just what journey you want to go about taking. Right. Um, but no, I've been, I've been fortunate enough to, to be able to build a brand and and create my own channel, I guess, within the whole ecosphere of sports and women's sports and, and being a non-traditional sport that's now becoming more traditional, especially on the women's side from a professional standpoint. But Really, it just started out of my love for the game. And I think if you ask any of my teammates, they would say the same. You sign up to play hockey because you absolutely love it as soon as you get introduced. And um, you stay with it because you love it because it's a really challenging sport. But as soon as you sort of rise up through the ranks and and get a little bit older and you get past the NCAA experience, um, fortunately, I went to an awesome school at the University of Wisconsin and had everything I needed. Um, our team did as well. And, you know, I'm, I'm so fortunate to be able to have that experience to then mm-hmm. shed light on what we don't have after college. And so really it started out of a love and a passion for the game and wanting that journey to be easier for the next girl mm-hmm. that's coming up through becoming a woman and then wanting to have this as a viable option for a career path. And so that's something that we're working on on a daily basis to be able to provide. Mm -hmm. And that's why we launched the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association to try and fill those gaps and provide resources and somewhat of a a semi-pro structure to be able to Mm -hmm. fill the needs of players after college because we have nothing, right? So it's a really interesting space. Um, it's not easy, but I wouldn't go this journey with any other group of women. It's just, it's so empowering. And I'm confident that we're making the right steps for a better future in the sport. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that in a little bit, but I guess we can head there now because that's really, I mean, what you've been doing is so incredible, you and all the other players. So where do you see kind of room to grow at the domestic level after college? So women's sports leagues have historically struggled pretty much in all sports. And there's the PHF, which was the NWHL. I don't need to explain the history to you, but that's not without its problems. But can we talk about the professional association? You're such a you were such a pivotal role in this creation. What was that journey like? Well, it was extremely challenging, right? I think uh, what people don't necessarily know or understand is it was launched by the players for the players. Um, so essentially, when the other league folded that was predominantly more Canadian based. Um, The U S and Canadian national team players came together right before our world championships over in Finland and said, Hey, we have this problem. Let's put a pin on it, pin in it. Let's agree to revisit this later and find a solution. And sure enough, Mm -hmm. we went through the tournament focused on representing our countries there. 
And then as soon as the tournament was over, it was quick problem solving. How do we figure this out? What do we need? You know, where are we playing? How much do we sell tickets for? Who's involved? All of these other things that you don't necessarily think about that goes into that one player's success on the ice. And now, you know, you're launching an association with, I think at the time we had 120, maybe 200 players, which is crazy to think about. And that's all of us just planning it. So, um, yeah, it really just started out as, as anything does, a need, right? And I think the biggest thing is having a a solid and viable business model to be able to work in that direction for a long-term goal and make it more sustainable. But to answer your question, um, it's it's pretty simple. I think we need consistent programming. uh, We need visibility. And the women need to get paid. And, um, you know, it's, it's that sweat equity piece that we need to invest in women's sports in order to watch and continue to see them grow at the level that they need to grow and flourish. So um, it's one of those catch 22s that when you're always in it, nobody wants to give you money and then you put together a business plan and then sure enough, they're like, okay, where do I invest? So uh, we're in a really good spot right now. And I'm really, really excited about the future of the game at the professional level. Yeah. So I'm really glad you brought up equal pay because obviously that's been such a hot topic. Um, So we can't really even talk about the association without talking about it. So in 2017, you were one of the leaders of a strike against USA Hockey, and you guys won, like right before World Championships, <laughs> which is awesome. Stressful. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Um, nope. <laughs> but yeah, so we just watched a similar fight with the U.S. women's national soccer team. So how do you think we can continue to advocate for equity and equality in women's sports? And kind of what was that process like, and where do you still see room to improve, and what work still needs to be done? Um, the process was extremely daring and daunting at the same time, but also one of the most empowering things I've ever been a part of. Um, and, you know, taking a page out of the, the 99ers book uh, from soccer, because I feel like we continue to play off of one another and a, a rising tide sort of does lift all, all ships, so to speak. So um, it's wonderful to have these strong uh, female role models um, to be able to bounce ideas off of and also to feel like, hey, you know, I'm not alone in this. Yes, we might be in hockey, but we can lean in to other sports as well and spark change in our own industry. So it's really exciting from that standpoint. So as soon as I see success in any other sport, I'm like, yes, let's keep going. But no, it's stressful, right? It's, it's definitely the onus is on us. And, you know, I think people forget that at the end of the day, you never know what's going to happen. You know, we are in the business of athletics and, you know, you could get injured or you could get cut based on, on your viewpoints or your stance. But to be able to say that we boldly stood together for as long as we did right before a world championship on home soil, where you're supposed to be just focused on preparing for a tournament. And here we are focusing on, you know, supporting our national team programming and finally finding success at the end of that as a starting point of where we, we want to launch off of. Right. So it was a, a good step in the right direction and definitely a pivotal moment for women's ice hockey, specifically for the U S but you know, it, it's crazy to think how many people reached out after that in other sports that were like, how did you guys do that? So um, that was the really cool and unique thing. But I've never felt more proud walking off a plane and seeing my other teammates that have also like flown in from different states to be like, we did that, you know, like we did that. So um, it was it was a hard battle. But yeah, it was something that I think next, you know, if not greater than a gold medal from 2018 at the Olympics, that would stand up pretty, pretty high up there. I think the only word I can think of to describe that right now is just absolute badass. Yeah. 
I don't know if I'm allowed to use that terminology, but yeah, straight up badasses. So. <laughs> yeah, I can use it. It's all good. Yeah. So jumping back in time a little bit, the story of you in a stop and shop parking lot in 2012 when your mom told you to get a job. Yeah. That's pretty well known. We don't need to rehash that because ouch, brutal. Um, but just kind of what was that moment like without rehashing it, but did it yeah. change how you approached hockey as a career? Because I mean, from the outside, 2012 seems kind of like a pivotal shift in your career for you, looking at the accolades you racked up after. Yeah, it was definitely that um, epiphany moment that nobody's going to do this for you. And if you want to keep doing this on your terms, you're going to have to find a solution. And so that's that's when I decided to invest in myself and try and differentiate myself from already 21 or 23 other amazing women to to make this sort of my career and to be able to support myself uh, long term. Because I love the sport. I want to stay in as long as I can. And as long as I'm having fun and having a positive impact on our group, that's what I want to be doing, right? I mean, this is the dream job, so to speak. So to be able to have sort of combine my passion where it met sort of the business standpoint of it and then to then grow it more and scale it to say okay this is something that's greater this is a problem that's greater than just me and you know how do we fix this and how do we make it easier for the next you know woman who's coming up because you see all of your other college athletes and especially at Wisconsin you know you see the football guys the basketball guys and you're like oh like you know they've got representation and they're going pro and they're making all this money and that's awesome because then they can do that as their job and as their profession at that level and I think that's what you know all athletes want to do they want to play the highest level right that like we live on that competition so to see that and then have my experience be the complete opposite I was like okay no this is changing and so I hope that the next woman that graduates college is ready to just take this and go with it and to be able to be paid at the very bare minimum a livable wage to do the thing that she loves at this level. Yeah, and you've been such an advocate for it. It's been really incredible to watch. Um, And then I know brand partnerships and sponsorships are a big deal. And early in your career, you tackled that pretty much solo. So how did you go about that? And how would you encourage younger athletes coming up to advocate for themselves in a similar way that you did? Yeah, um... I cold called a lot of people. <laughs> I'm actually like, I hope that nobody like is able to go back and be like, oh yeah, this. Is <laughs> she called me back back then, and I didn't even return the call or or whatever. But a lot of the, I can't tell you how many times like I failed at calling, right? And um, I finally was able to find representation that I sort of had to pay to represent me, not like just a commission, but actually like pay. <laughs> which was like so sad at the time because I'm like, this is not how this is supposed to work. But, (laughs) you know, I kind of then leaned into that sort of like thought leadership space, right? And so then I sort of developed the, okay, what are my talking points? Who am I as a person? What do I want to work on? What do I want to convey to other people? And um, looking back, that was just another step and an exercise, sort of an expensive exercise to figure out, okay, you know, how do, how do I make this a career off the ice? Um, because the on ice stuff is definitely not going to pay me to be able to keep coming to the rink. Right. So not only was I making these cold calls, leaning on this other, um, agency, but then I was just also experiencing social media and building up a social media presence. And then I was also, you know, running up to the rink, doing lessons, getting paid for that, going back, training full time. So it was really this like massive, 
juggling act um, to make it all work. And I'm not saying that we still don't do that because we definitely do because we don't have a sustainable place to play yet. But, um, you know, I definitely say it's easier having different stipends and access to different resources now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so bringing up social media, that's interesting. And I think we see that even more today uh, with TikTok and with all these other platforms that are exploding. How, like, what do you, would you say the importance of building a brand as an athlete is? Well, I think social media is great because it's free, right? And that's a free marketing tool that if you can consistently stay with it and, and build up, you can then create a brand. And when you have a brand, you can really cultivate your future as you see fit, right? And I'm not saying it's easy. It really sounds easy to just get on a platform and, you know, start um, posting things, right? And your content's just going to go viral and then you're going to get a lot of money because that's not true. I mean, that's that's a rare thing. And that's awesome if that happens to people because that's great. Like that's the best case. But consistency mm-hmm. of, of posting, finding out who you are, what you, what's your messaging, and then you get to leverage different opportunities and you also get to spark change and, and hopefully promote growth mm-hmm. in other areas that are of interest to you. So it's such a powerful tool. I know there's a, a level of toxicity that, that goes into it, but um, I've been able to really like separate it um, as best I can when I'm competing. And, and when it feels too heavy, I just get off the, the apps, right? And um, mm-hmm. try not to click into them because, you know, there's at some point it is a business and you have to realize when sometimes it's too much and you need to stop scrolling, but you know, yeah. I mean, it's great, you know, your <laughs> boundaries and have the willpower. I mean, stop scrolling TikTok. It's hard sometimes. It, TikTok is honestly like at first I was like, Oh yeah, whatever. And then you start watching and you're like, Oh my gosh. And it's honestly, it's one of the most addicting apps ever, ever. And by design. Right. And once you understand it's by design, Hopefully you can give yourself a little leeway to be like, okay, like I can get off now. <laughs> Wait, all of a sudden it's been 45 minutes. I thought I only watched three videos. Oops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So I read Meg Linehan's piece from May for The Athletic, and I have to say it's literally one of the best profiles I've ever read. Um, so you obviously talked about a lot of things in there, but I'm curious, since that piece came out, has anything changed in your life at all? I mean, the reception was phenomenal and it attracted a lot of attention when it was published. Yeah, well, I'd first shout out to Meg because Meg is an unbelievable writer. And we go way back to, obviously, the the piece covers. (laughs) I can't believe she included the car ride part because that was a really tough car ride back from Toronto to Boston. But um, no, I mean, Meg just was able to eloquently put all this stuff I was throwing at her of all of my feelings and how I wanted to convey this uh, message to to really like put it together in a comprehensive piece and she did it so beautifully but what's changed I just feel freer as an individual like I feel like I can be my authentic self both on and offline um, and I think that's something that sadly I was missing before and um, you know it was really um, tough because for so long, I thought I had to be this person or to be the archetype of whatever was thrown at me. Um, and to, to look back, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, maybe yes at the time. You could always argue and it, it's always 2020, right? But it's just one of these things that I just feel like a healthier person. And I think that's fantastic. And I'm so fortunate and grateful to, to have the reception that I did. And um, yeah, it's, it's a, it's, it's a wild ride for sure. 
A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just a thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Yeah. So for anyone listening that hasn't read the piece, how would you summarize it? The message you were trying to convey? Um, it's a it, long piece. So it's not it's easy. It's a long piece. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of messages in it. Um, so we went back and forth a lot about it and it was sort of a, you didn't want to minimize coming out to just coming out. Right. And to mm-hmm. that be my career and to, to, have more context to it and to, to be able to write a little bit more background into why now, why is this important? Um, so I think those questions were, were answered in, in her piece in the athletic and, um, you know, some of it's timing, other is just social pressures that you feel whether they're real or not. Um, and the other piece of it to me was the, the mental health component of, knowing that this thing is just so overbearing and toxic and to be released sort of from my own thoughts and and how I think um, I should be viewed by society and to be able to authentically tell it in my own voice and not to have someone be like, oh, this is who you're supposed to be or you're this person. Um, And so to be able to say that in a little bit more words than I'm telling you now (laughs) via Meg um, was the the most – you know, beautiful, I think, thing that's, that's happened in my life and something that's extremely freeing, um, from an emotional and social standpoint. But, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, I've lived such a, a, I've kept my private life extremely private and that's just, that's just kind of who I am. Um, and so those close to me understood where I was in, in sort of my life cycles and, um, you know, people who were important to me, but, um, you know, I did feel as though I was closeted in many ways and not able to really be who I wanted to be. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, yeah, if anything's changed, it's, I just get to wake up and be Hillary and that's super cool. And, uh, I'm so grateful for that. Um, well, for what it's worth, I think that was beautifully said here too. Oh, thanks. Um, <laughs> so, and for anyone listening, if you haven't read this piece, go check it out. It's really, really incredible. Um, and then Hillary shifting gears a little bit. So ESPN signed a new NHL rights deal last year and you're a hockey analyst. That's awesome. So what has that been like and where do you see your TV career going? 
Oh boy. I hope my TV career is only going up because that is always the hope when you're in any new vertical is you want to do well. <laughs> but no, it's it's been such a fascinating journey to learn what goes into the production standpoint of just a hockey game. And when you get into the, the analyst role and to figure out, you know, you're not, you're talking about hockey and obviously that's, you know, what you sign up for. Um, but then there's sort of the nuances of being on camera and, and how you're telling, you're talking about hockey and, and who you're working with and all these other things. So it's been a wonderful learning opportunity for me and something that I enjoy growing in a, in a different aspect or in a different vertical. Um, so I'm excited for next year. It's going to be great. I don't have to miss like two months of the season for the Olympics and just kind of like pick back up and be like, okay, what's going on now in the <laughs> NHL? So um, that's exciting for me to be able to follow the, the natural trajectory of a season. Um, but it, it's crazy. Hockey is the season's less than a hundred days away. And I feel like we just ended, which is the wild part of it. So um, yeah, it, it's fun to talk about hockey for sure. <laughs> well, to be fair, this season did go much later than usual. So, so much quick later. Turnaround. <laughs> There's hockey yeah. in July. I'm like, what, what's happening here? Yeah, no, it, it was, it was crazy. I'm like, it's 90 degrees outside and we're still, um, in the finals. So, <laughs> well, speaking of less than a hundred days away, you're obviously still playing hockey at the top of your game. The 2022 world championships are coming up. How's training going? How are you feeling? You're going for your ninth gold. That's insane. Yeah, that's wild. <laughs> My teammate actually texted me, Kelly, and she said, you know, this is year 17 for you. And I was like, stop, Kelly. <laughs> she's, like, you say- she's like, your national team record has its own driving license. <laughs> and some Okay, of the that's girls the headline are- of the podcast? Yeah, and she's like, some of the, some of the girls that you're going to be at camp with we're not even born born when you started playing on the national team. And I was like, Kelly, like, appreciate this, but, like, let's stop. It's been a um, way to, yeah. yeah, way to make you feel old. Yeah, no, she's funny. Um, but, no, it's, I mean, what a wild ride. I mean, I absolutely love the, being in the room, being around, um, you know, my teammates. They're so cool. Like, I don't even know how else to describe them. They're just, like, these superhumans that do amazing things and then come together and we get to play hockey and problem solve on the fly and, and compete for, for championships. So um, I'm really excited because this is the first time we've ever had a world championship right after an Olympics. However, I will say August is a very hard time of year to be in peak physical shape for a world <laughs> tournament. So I'm doing my best as well as everyone else is, but yeah, no, it, it's going to be exciting. We're going to, we're going to see kind of how we do and, and whatnot, but I think, you know, the squad's extremely hungry to, to get a gold. We obviously fell short the last world championships and um, obviously at the Olympics. So I think people are all geared up and, and ready to go to work. Well, I think hockey fans are super excited to see it too. Yeah. I can't wait to hear who's covering it. <laughs> that's, that's the big, the big one is, Everyone's like, how am I going to watch? I was like, TBD. I mean, <laughs> I know what I'm, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, media rights deals are a whole nother beast. Um, they, they certainly but are. <laughs> not to bring up again how you've been on the national team for 17 years, but you're a veteran on the Olympic team now. So how have you kind of seen yourself develop as a leader? And you touched on this a little bit already, but what do you hope to impart to the future generation of players coming up? Oh, my gosh. Um 
probably for for the future generations um it's just like that that level of like badass confidence right and just to be like my hope is that they're just so confident with who they are and what they're trying to do that anything they pursue pursue whether that's on or off ice they're gonna crush it I think that that's my goal for anyone coming up and um you know we're trying to make the journey easier so nobody has to focus on all the other BS, right? Like they just get to show up and, and be the best humans that they can be and be the best competitors. And I think that's the goal. And so that would be my dream for any young girl who is growing up and, and wants to play on our team and is, um, you know, a member of our team. That woman can just absolutely derail whoever you know whatever she wants just dismantle um you know any obstacle in her way so um yeah I don't know if that's you know as uh concise as as, as question answer you want but uh yeah I think thematically that's the goal I love it um and just I guess one last question what's next for you Hillary oh boy I don't know my mom asks me this all the time (laughs) 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 yeah no I don't know I think um you know, obviously my two things have been if I if I love playing and I can still have a positive impact both on and off the ice, I'm gonna do that. Um, but no, there's there's so many there's so many things that I wanna tackle. But I think the ultimate goal is to assemble a all women um group that owns both the men's and women's club. I think that's like the the pinnacle of, you know, where I wanna be in the sport eventually. Obviously I gotta get there. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I, I love the game, and I want to be able to share it with as many people as possible. Well, I am so excited to see what you do next. Um, that is, unfortunately, all we have time for. Um, thank you so much for being here today, Hillary. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Adweek's Most Powerful Women in Sports, part of the Adweek Podcast Network and ACAST Creator Network. This podcast was produced by Amanda Sickler, executive produced by Al Manorino and John Heal, and edited by Lane McGivney at Batwell Studios. You can listen and subscribe to all Adweek's podcasts by visiting adweek.com slash podcasts. Stay updated on all things Adweek Podcast Network by following us on Twitter at Adweek Podcasts. And if you have a question or suggestion for the show, send us an email at podcast at adweek.com. Hey there, podcast fam. Are you ready to break free from the social media rut? Hold on to your hatch because we've got just the thing for you. Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for leveling up your online presence. Whether you're a personal brand or a company, they've got the tools and know-how to take you to the next level. With Viral Growth, forget about those endless hours of video editing. They handle everything from brainstorming to polishing your content so you can just focus on being awesome. And guess what? We're hooking you up with a sweet deal. Use code ADWEEK for 10% off when you sign up. Ready to take your social media game to the next level? Head on over to viralgrowth.io and let's turn those digital dreams into a reality. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.